Welcome back to Table Talk, the podcast where we share surprising stories from around the Bay Area. Today, we're talking about the Birdman of the Bay Area. His name's Greg Mueller, and if you've spent much time in the La Mirinda area, you've probably seen one of his birdhouses. They're cute little houses, and they are actually functional, too. I'm Vivian, and here's Steve. Hello. What are we talking about today? Well, we're talking about the Birdman of the East Bay, a guy who was kind of... uh, uh, advanced his passion for nature and ca- the community in a way that it would we'd say is a little nonconforming. Yeah, what does what does that mean, the Birdman of the East Bay? Well, I think the best example that I've come up with is uh, people know who Batman is, right? Uh, of cartoon lore, and he was a guy who wanted to keep the community safe, but he advanced his work in, in a very nonconforming way. He created you know inventions in the Bat Cave, and he had the Batmobile and. He would zip out at the moment that was uh, critical. Uh, and in some ways, uh, this this Greg is his name, uh, kind of has conducted himself in the same way. He's kind of he's kind of broken a lot of the rules. Uh, he's not in jail, um, but uh, he kind of has advanced his passion uh, in, in a way that, uh, you know, you would say you wouldn't really recommend. Mm-hmm. And that's through putting up birdhouses on stop signs throughout the district without asking anyone if he can do it. Um, well, that's part of what he did. But, uh, you know, we went to, we went to visit him and we're going to talk to him in just a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as it is typically when you're trying to find an elusive person, we had trouble when our, mm-hmm. we, we got lost. We, uh, we ended up going into a property that turned out not even to be yeah. his, right? Yeah, and meeting his neighbor who said, this happens all the time. Margaret, what do you think of all these birdhouses? Oh my God, we're so lucky to live right next door to Greg. It's just phenomenal. And you know, the birds actually use the houses. Yeah, and then of course we said we were looking for the bird man. And, she's, and, I, and we asked, could you help us find the, where he is? And she gave us these directions that were very complicated, like seven left turns and yeah. he'll be right there. So eventually we did find where he lived, this elusive guy. And of course, it's a dirt road yeah. to get to uh, his house. We drive up and he was out there. He, was, you know, he wasn't in the Batcave. We know now it was a bird garage. And very similar, though, to how you might think of a Batcave. It's very, like a workshop where all of the building happens. His wife was there. She said that he cleaned up the place before we got there. So yeah. it was very spick and span. Yeah. But we had a fun time talking with him and, and learning where did this all come from? Uh, you know, he got into trouble. What happened? And what exactly uh, has he made happen in these communities in the East, up the East Bay? And yeah. it's a pretty fun story. Surprising for yeah. some of us. And, you know, I mean, you might think that building birdhouses and putting them up would be pretty simple. But there's a little bit of controversy there. He almost got in trouble. But he does know a lot about birds. And he, yeah. he, he knows about what they were lacking. He said with the cavity nesting birds, that's what he was mm-hmm. focused on, birds that need to have a private space protected from predators. Mm-hmm. And he learned how to make them in a way that was very unique to these species of birds mm-hmm. uh, and would keep them away from predators. And then he mm-hmm. didn't just make it four walls and a roof. Yeah, he made them something special, which we'll talk about too. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's uh, important to mention, too. I, when I was kind of looking up a little bit about him, there was a lot of controversy about where uh, whether these birdhouses were actually functional for the birds. And 
they are. If you're a birder, you'll be happy to know that, that like you were saying, he made them very specific for these very specific types of birds. Um, and apparently the birds love them. And, and in quantities that are not just a few dozen, mm-hmm. but in the thousands. Yeah. And if you're in the East Bay and you see something behind a stop sign, it'll be how many we have seen just driving around, right? We've, so many of them. So we're driving through the neighborhood and we keep seeing the birdhouses on almost every corner. They all look a little different. There's a big one there, all red. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh, that one has a horse. Wow. There's so many unique designs. Well, yeah, once you see one, you see them everywhere. And <laughs> yeah, it's really great. There's, you'll also see, uh, if you take a little drive around the hills, there's um, quail on some of them. He puts little, like, uh, that's statues of quail, that is. Uh, what are the other ones? Like squirrels. Cows. Cows. I think he has somebody in a wheel in a rocking chair with a bottle of wine. Yeah. I mean, he's done some fun, cute things. Yeah. And we asked him about that, too. Where does he get his design uh, imagination from? So that's Greg and his wife. Uh, let's hear from them. What got you into building birdhouses? Well, I... Uh... My neighbor down the hill, when I stopped working about, I don't know, about 15 years ago or so, but my neighbor got me involved in our little neighborhood nonprofit, and then they needed someone to handle beautification, which was mostly handing out daffodils. And handing out all those daffodil bulbs led him to being known as the Daffodil Man. Some of the bulbs were paid for by funds from the local HOA, but he bought a lot of them with his own money too, and he didn't stop with the yellow daffodils. He was also known for adding some orange to the mix by spreading California poppy seeds. But Greg wanted to go a little further by making the neighborhood more vibrant and also more hospitable to our feathered friends. So he asked if he'd get in trouble if he started putting birdhouses on the back of some stop signs. He talked to the the chief of police. Who was Eric Christensen at the time, a wonderful police chief. And he said I wouldn't be breaking any laws at all and it was fine. Although I guess I was breaking a municipal code. But... So I started hanging them all over. Why birdhouses, though? So you went from beautification and handing out bulbs. My hope was that it would provide a little character and charm, and ultimately just to perhaps give someone a smile or a point of interest or a little bit of cheer at the end of the day. And you like birds. And I love nature and animals. And you had made birdhouses before for your property? No. No, I I start I bought a few, but they were expensive and they weren't really built according to the specifications. Each bird, like songbirds, need an inch and a quarter hole for entrance hole. Bluebirds, they all have different characteristics. Yes. And so I thought, and they were expensive, so I thought I'll start making them. And I really started making them, lots of them. I've probably made over four thousand. 4,000 birdhouses. I'm guessing. And then I I also would have been planting daffodils all over the neighborhood, up to 30,000 a year. Last year, the year before this winter, we didn't get very much rain, so I was fed up and didn't plant any, and we got almost 40 inches of rain this year. (laughs) (laughs) You'll see me out digging when, you know, all the time. But anyway, so I started putting them up, and then Eric Christensen said, please keep doing it because every time we arrest someone, they think there's cameras in the birdhouses. <laughs> and parents would say, my daughters think there's cameras and their driving is being monitored. We love it. 
And then I started making about a hundred birdhouses every October to hand out for the kids to finish painting and decorating with dogs, cats, or a garden themed or a barn theme. And last year we gave away a hundred birdhouses in the last several years we have free. The kids just take them and they take all the little items I order on Amazon or Etsy or um, these little craft stores. I'm kind of a nut that way. And, and then Moraga asked me to put them up. And some folks in Arinda did also, especially in Arinda Woods. And so I started just going around doing it more and more. And the birds, this nesting season, I saw birds in almost every birdhouse I'd put up in our neighborhood. His wife, Carlene, shows us the handout they give people with information on each type of bird that can use the houses. The sheet also gives some directions on the best places to hang the house, so it's high enough off the ground to be safe from predators, gets a nice amount of shade and sunshine, and isn't too close to a bird feeder, which can just be a little noisy for the birds nesting. There are also instructions on how to clean out the house each year if needed. This is how to hang it and care for it, and then these are the kinds of birds the that... The most common birds that, that use it. Well, can you tell us that. what birds yeah. are listed here that you are trying to find homes for? Oh yes, it's the, the chickadee is very popular. And so is the um, one on the other side here. The titmouse is very common, and they're very social. So you hear them chirping, and you hear the babies in the nest. It is, it's really quite delightful for me. And my mother-in-law loves them, so I've got them up all in the back for her. And then you can get the wren and the little woodpecker one, the uh, nuthatch, which is a real acrobat of a bird. And, you know, birds, like a lot of things, are losing their habitat, especially cavity-nesting birds. He says he makes these birdhouses primarily for smaller birds because they often nest in things like fallen trees or other places that people like to clear out of their yards, whereas the larger cavity-nesting birds like woodpeckers or flickers can make their own homes. And as for other kinds of birds, he says he also makes some special owl boxes. I've made about 20 owl boxes or more and I put them up all over. And we've got screech owls and barn owls, and they're excellent at taking care of rodents. Okay. Just outstanding. Now, what's the difference between an owl box and these other bird houses that we're looking at? I've got, well, they're big. They're about 24 inches long by 19 inches high and at least 19 inches wide. They are big. And you've got to get them way up on a post which I have done, and they're fabulous. And the screech owl is a rather social owl, so when I'm out working and doing things in the yard, he'll often sit at the edge of the nesting box and watch me. How do you come up with all the different uh, designs? I saw them out here, the different designs. Trying to keep it interesting and creative is always a bit of a challenge. Most people love the garden-themed ones, like this one, and a lot of uh, dog-themed ones. That's for the couple pooches on the front porch. Yes, a couple pooches. Right. And my personal favorite, the farmhouse-themed one with a pig and a sheep. And uh, a water pail. And yeah. uh, are those <laughs> carrots there on the ground? Yes, they are. The family likes to drink, so you'll notice there's a lot of corks. Corks. We have a lot of wine corks. I try to reuse and recycle <laughs> as much as I can. I got a few I could give you there. Thank you, I Senator. See that. Yes. And that's duckhorn decoy, right? Yes. I'm sorry, I'm seeing their popular wines here. I'm noticing in the corks that he's using on these houses. 
Yes. And I like the ones with all the rocks as a roof. I get those. The durability, that means, is that a 30-year roof you're putting on those things? <laughs> That's a 30-year guarantee roof. After <laughs> that, it's a limited warranty. But the rock roofs and the tile roofs help provide a little more shelter for the rain and or the hot sun. And ideally, a birdhouse will be placed in morning sun and afternoon shade. He shows us around his studio, which is part of his garage lined with some workbenches and drawers and shelves of little items to put on the houses. Things like trees, a variety of little toy farm animals, pieces of wood, and stones. I also see more than a dozen already made birdhouses ready to be distributed. He says he double walls the houses and adds a metal washer around the entrance so potential predators like squirrels and raccoons can't gnaw their way in. And he also uses a lot of recycled materials in the houses, like metal scraps from his plumbing work and wine corks from dinner. When he's making design decisions, he tries to match the decorations to the environment. Some of the birdhouses are paired with a family of metal quail or a plastic squirrel or some rabbits, giving the new birds some welcoming neighbors already. So I have to ask you because... Uh, I want to learn about how you make these birdhouses, but people think they're very simple probably, and they're, they don't look too simple to me. Well, I buy the wood at uh, Lowe's or any local Home Depot or Ashby Lumber. He used and, to get, he was, when he first started, he did scraps. I, I was able to get enough scraps, but I'm making so many now, I have to go buy it. Okay, so here is the, here's the basics. Yeah, this is Four a basic one. And a, and a roof. Yes, this is a modern one. It's got the side for venting. And this is for a neighbor, Robert Swat, who's a kind of a famous architect, I guess. And so they wanted one that was a flat roof and some modern looking. And those aren't real popular. The, the gable roof is the most popular and the one folks like the most. And you'll see if you look on the side, I provide venting there. So ventilation for And then side. holes at the bottom in case any water gets in. And I pretty much have it down to a pattern of how... Are these nails or screws? Screws. I use decking screws to screw them all together. And they each have two coats of paint on them. And then the roof. And they will last a long, long time. You said these stone roofs are 30-year guarantee. 30-year guarantee. Okay. So then, then you have the, the material you put on the roof. This one particularly has rocks. Uh, yeah. Are they all flat or do you just buy flat rocks? or how do you Well, just... I, I do buy the rocks at Diamond K here. And I, I go through and get the flat rocks out and some of the rocks I throw away. All right. And you glue them on? I glue them on with a special dap that I get at... Um, Again, one of the major hardware stores. And then you got some copper uh, tubing here. Yeah. It's pretty fancy copper. Half-inch copper roof line that I try and reuse from scraps as much as I can when we're plumbing. And then I, I, I nail those in the side and glue those on. That's for the fancier birds. <laughs> so which of the fancy birds will be using this one? Um, this one will probably be a titmouse or a wren also. I mean, a titmouse or a um, chickadee. Ah. Yes. And that's and based on the, the size of the, the entry. The entry is an inch and a quarter. If it's any bigger, a predator bird can get in there. Mm. And if it's any smaller, they can't get in at all. Um, and then we have these baskets full of uh, accoutrements, flowers and little little thingamajigs, uh, yeah, decorative things. You've got a couple of these. One's oh, yeah. Fences. Butterflies. Oh, yeah. 
I've got, oh my God, uh, I've got boxes cool. everywhere. So this this here's, really brings out your creativity. And I've got, here's my a dog band. Like yeah. Wow, look at all these dogs. Well, this is, what uh, kind of dog do you have, Steve? Well, I used to have uh, shepherds. Shepherds. Yeah. That's going to be cute. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I, I love dogs, though. I take all these buckets and barrels yeah. full of trees yeah. and shrubbery. Trees. And, I've got all kinds of stuff everywhere. <laughs> it's yeah. also neat and organized. Well, yeah, today. Yeah. And these are the, the metal openings I can glue on. I don't always get that done, sadly. But it just, you know, it's a lot of fun because uh, most folks are quite happy to get one and seem to uh, it's very enjoy it's it. It's always and in demand. We gave a, one to an a elderly lady in Pleasant Hill a few weeks few months ago and she called my brother Wednesday and said uh, could she get one for a friend of hers <laughs> so we dropped another one by and do you autograph them no I try not to you Peter don't. Clark demanded I sign one so I did that time why but, is that you have the works of art all over the uh, community and you don't even want to autograph them uh, it's that's not really what I you know I'm not trying to get attention or I mean it's fun to get appreciation but I don't want to sign it as if you know, so you're a modest creator. Well, I, I, oh, I try to be. Um, Every year also he gets um, requests for some bird houses for charity. Uh -huh. They take oh, yeah. some and then they auction it off and stuff. That's wonderful. There's so much politics in our world, but what you do is just a wonderful, gracious community act of kindness to the environment, to our animal friends, to uh, the beauty of our communities. And it's really what made me so excited about meeting you is that... Uh, it's so non-political and it's just so wonderful, all that you do. And uh, I know and I, I know how much love and care you put into this and hard work. Oh, it's just fun to do a little something and it fills my time. I have every six o'clock, I have a few beers and work on birdhouses and visit with my mother-in-law and to see if she's getting too animated, if the warriors are losing or the giants are yeah. losing. Yeah. And... Uh, and uh, she comes out and watches me a little bit. And uh... Greg loves any living thing. And um, when I lived by myself, I used to kill, you know, the spiders or the whatevers that came into the house. Now it's like I call him and he gathers them up and takes them outside. Spiders, fly, whatever. I don't want to use any poisons or anything. I was out here one night working on a birdhouse and a barn owl came down and grabbed a gopher or a little mouse. And, well, I couldn't stop it. And I know that's what they do, but I don't like that part of it. <laughs> and uh, besides the uh, Arinda, uh, Lafayette, and Raga, have you done any in Walnut Creek, any other, other cities in the area? Uh, some in Walnut Creek. And uh, I've not made it out to Pleasant Hill, but I'm, I've been trying because I've had several requests for them and Gregory Gardens. But sometimes it gets a little out of control and I can't keep up yeah. with all the requests for birdhouses. But no arrests for uh, putting these things up. You've, you've stayed out uh, one step in front oh, of the law. I'm kind of a fugitive, Senator Glazer. And, you know, I've been able to stay free for a while. All but, right, uh, well, we found your hideout. <laughs> you got... There was an article that went out. He, there was somebody in Lafayette who complained oh, yes. and didn't like the oh, birdhouses. Oh. So and so now um, the city of Lafayette has called him an art whatever thing. 
and so they had their blessing and they overruled this complaint and and uh yeah so ah, it's almost like you were deputized now yeah. i was just uh had to sign something online that said they're all given to the city which i didn't want them back. i never wanted them back <laughs> that's kept you one step ahead of the law then. Well, well, just barely steve yeah. just barely well you've gone from bulbs yeah. To birdhouses yes. in your community, give back life, and it's so wonderful to see. And we thank you for all that you've done to beautify our community. Well, Vivian, what fun that was to go uh, visit with Craig uh, in the bird cave and to uh, see all that uh, he was passionate about and his story of how it all evolved from bulbs to uh, birdhouses. Um, he really was a kind, gracious man, and uh, that is so looking beyond him and his wife to the whole community and how he mm. can be a contributor. And of course, certainly to nature and his passion for animals. Yeah. The owl boxes the, that he's made, all the different birds that he knows about that he's trying to help. I feel like every part of this community is touched by the presence of these boxes. I mean, all the animals that, that uh, fly around and get to use them and even the owls uh, keeping other pests in check. Um it's. It seems like these boxes have a really far-reaching impact, and it started from just one. It did, and I, of course, love the part where he got into trouble. Yes. And it's what we do learn, that uh, some of the greatest creative minds are nonconformists and push up against barriers and regulations and laws. And, um, and of course, I, I thought it was so artful the way, the uh, in this case, the Lafayette City Council, um, uh, the city itself, had to figure out a way to uh, celebrate what he was doing, but not allow others to do it too, uh, by declaring his birdhouses public art. Yeah, I thought it was a really fun workaround, um, and he seemed really happy to to do that too. It, yeah, and, shout out to Lafayette. Yeah, you know, a lot of times the bureaucracy just says no, you can't do that. No, 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 and that stops right there. But Lafayette city leaders figured it out and. Uh, and the community is really, really great for it. Yeah. And that is kind of a reminder about other things that are public art that maybe start out by not necessarily getting permission, like uh, planting some flower seeds in your the, the front little grassy strip in front of your uh, house or, um, you know, putting up a library box in your front yard or things like that. I, I love that stuff when I see that. And it tells me a neighborhood is a group of folks that care about others. And um, you see it in Neighborhood Watch. You see it uh, in Firewise uh, communities that have uh, come together to say that we have fire danger. Let's work together to try to minimize that fire risk and, and work on helping people clear property of, uh, of weeds and, and other things. But all these things that make communities great, it's all about the people and thinking beyond their borders, their property line. And, um, and he's such a great example of that. Um, for all of us in the Bay Area to to look beyond uh, what we have for us uh, in our spaces and think about how to make, how to beautify spaces. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes that's painting things that, uh, and sometimes it's fixing things that's not their own. And uh, Greg has really done that yeah. in enormous ways with these birdhouses. Yeah. And really just taking responsibility for your community in a way that isn't just your individual uh, self and, and, yeah, I uh, thought it was really special that he he re he feels responsible for making sure the birds have somewhere to live. The Birdman of the East Bay, Greg 
uh, Mueller, and uh, we celebrate him. We really do. And uh, it was fun telling this story. Thank you, Vivian, for, for coming along. I'm glad we didn't get lost and we found <laughs> the elusive. We found it band. eventually. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. As we head back down the windy road away from Greg Mueller's workshop, I see even more unique birdhouses that I missed on the way in. And I think I even spot some of the residents. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Table Talk. You can hear all our episodes at Steve's website at sd07.senate.ca.gov or anywhere you get your podcasts like Apple or Spotify or Google. Thanks to the Birdman himself, Greg Mueller, and his wife, Carlene, for showing us around his workshop and for beautifying the community one birdhouse at a time. 